Welcome to Crosspoint. 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 An interactive program featuring ministers and leaders of the Christian community addressing the issues that are challenging the church today. Here's your host, Mark Taylor. Welcome to Crosspoint. I'm Mark Taylor. Is Bible prophecy on trial? Today's guest is no stranger to Bible prophecy. Peter Lalonde has produced eight end-time films, including the Left Behind series. For over a decade, he and his brother Paul uh, authored a dozen books and now has a new project out, and it's about what you believe. Well, here today on Crosspoint, we've got a really uh, interesting interview to uh, talk about. Uh, we're going to be talking with Peter Lalonde, and Peter, thanks for joining us on the program today, and uh, everybody... I know out there uh, knows about your Left Behind movies. You know, you did eight different films, I believe it was, over a decade there. You know, you and your brother Paul, I remember back, you know, running this week in Bible prophecy. uh, You know, you had it on TV and stuff like that, but I remember we used to take clips of that and do it on the radio as well sometimes. And then you've got this new project you come out with, and I'm sure uh, already by looking at what I've seen of it and followed it, uh, it's going to be pretty exciting. And uh, so thank you so much for being with us today here on Crosspoint. My absolute pleasure. I look forward to this. Okay, so first of all, I want to ask you a question. How much has Bible prophecy changed in the years since you and your brother Paul started this journey uh, up till now? What, what have you seen? I know that's what has to encourage this new work that you're doing. I think that the entire game, if you will, has changed. Um, we were looking at the signs of the times before. I think now we're in the middle of the times. I think it's actually physically happening as we speak. But the thing is that's so deceptive about it from a deception point of view is it's hiding in plain sight. Um, so even some of us who are Christians didn't really see it coming, and that included myself, that uh, as I began to uncover what I was reading as I was reading the scriptures, I was absolutely stunned to realize that what it was talking about was already happening right in front of me. And that's what inspired putting Bible prophecy on trial. I don't. I sometimes wonder about the name that people wonder. What are you putting the prophecies on trial? I mean, God forbid. I'm doing the exact opposite. I'm going to put it up against the evidence, and then let the jurors in this trial, who are basically the people who will view the trial, make their own judgment. Because we've sat in churches for so long, people have sat and listened to my teachings, my brother's teachings. But it makes them kind of bystanders um, and just spectators of what's going on. By putting it on trial in front of people where they make their own judgment, they come to their own conclusions, and I hope they come out a little whipped up about how close we are to the Lord's return. Now, this Bible prophecy on trial, this is something you're launching online. So this is a way for people to actually participate because they are actually sitting on the jury. Is that right? That's correct. And then uh, as it goes along, I will, you know, walk up to the jury and say, okay, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, what's your verdict on this or on this? And in real time, as people are watching it, they can answer right on their phone or their computer, and we provide three options, yes, no, and <laughs> I object for people who don't like what we're saying at all. Um, and 
Then they get to not only cast their vote, as they're casting their vote, they get to compare and see how their vote compares to the rest of the jury. So they sort of see if they're in line with what other people are thinking and so on. So that's the whole premise, is it's for people to make their own decisions, look at the evidence, and then when you're sharing your faith with someone else or getting excited just yourself, you have your own basis to do it based on the decisions that you've already made. Okay, so now, the way I understand this, and it's kind of new to me as well, something like this, but now this is an ongoing trial. Is that correct, where this is going uh, monthly? Uh, It's not a trial that's just going to stop and you're just going to be involved and it's all over. Uh, This is an ongoing, is that correct? Well, it's ongoing for at least a year at a time, and in that trial there will be 10 hearings which come out you know, more or less monthly. But um, the idea is that we will reach the end of this trial, people will reach conclusions, and then they will decide, they will vote whether we decide to continue with another season, whether there's enough material that's exciting people. And the fact of the matter is, yes, there is. Um, It's just a question of whether, um, you know, we continue with the second season or not. But it's certainly one full season. So, in other words, it's going to depend a lot on the participation of the jury. Is that right, then? How the jury participates, how that's going on the work that's being done that causes this to happen. That's what's going to kind of keep springing maybe this forward? I, I do believe that because I'm so convinced that we stand not just in the end times, but at the edge of time that I want to make sure that I'm doing that which has the most impact, um, both in terms of the body of Christ, because we're kind of asleep to prophecy now, um, and to the wider world. I'm hoping this can be a great outreach. And that's what I want the jurors to basically encourage me that, hey, there's others standing with me on doing this. Okay, now, mentioning the juries, jurors again, these jurors do not have to be Christians, is that correct? Anybody can join this and sit on this jury, is that right? Yes, as a matter of fact, we already have a few um, who are sending a lot of emails and a lot of comments, but I really appreciate that because it gives a chance to enter into a bit of a dialogue and to lay out what it is, why we believe what we believe, because the people who are not Christians and who argue against prophecy, I think, are doing so largely from misconceptions, that they think it's saying this and it's not saying that at all. Um, and that's what I really like the idea of having a full spectrum of people in this jury pool. You know, Bible prophecy is a really good way to teach people uh, about Scripture. And so I'm sure that's kind of what has inspired you through the years, uh, you know, to bring you to this point now. And so I know you want to engage people in this, but you want to know, you're looking for what do people believe about Bible prophecy in the end times and what's going on in our world right now around us? Is that kind of the way it looks? Well, yes. One of the most significant prophecies to me about the end times is, in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Well, if I look back to the 90s, you referenced our TV show, This Week in Bible Prophecy, and the Left Behind movies, and the Left Behind books in the 90s, and Y2K, and the turn of the millennium. I mean, it it was just craziness of the excitement, believing that this was the Lord's return. And I remember thinking at the time, 
everybody's looking for them. It doesn't seem to fit with that so much. But now I fast forward to 2023 and I go into bookstores and I, I go and I look at Amazon and so on for, um, you know, great teaching about Bible prophecy. And it's not there as much as it was. There's a bit of a famine. And it's a shame because it's happening at the exact same time. The prophecies have never been more clear more dramatic and more timely. In some of the stuff I, I was reading in this, you, you talk about the fig tree, the rebirth of Israel. You mention other trees, too, uh, and Luke pointing towards the end times prophecy. So these are some of the things. How does this work that's going to uh, be brought into this uh, trial? Well, Jesus said, behold the parable of the fig tree. When it put, puts forth its first branches, you know that summer is near. But Luke also recorded um, that conversation that day. And he said, behold the fig tree and all trees. And that really got me thinking because it, it kind of stunned me for a second when it really dawned on me what we were looking for. Because, you know, Israel's special. Israel's God's chosen people. And so I expected him to talk about the fig tree and the rebirth of Israel, because that's all throughout the scripture. You can't have the end time period without Israel in their land. I mean, that's what so much of it is about, the regathering of Israel into their land and, you know, the rebuilding of the temple and the Antichrist sitting in the temple. All of these things were obvious that they had to happen. But looking at the other trees that Luke points to the fact that Jesus referred to, and I first look at other nations— because Israel was a nation reborn, so if there's other trees, I was looking for other nations that were reborn in 1948. And without listing them to you, there's just not a whole lot there. I mean, Niger, South Sudan, Indonesia, Burma, I mean, these aren't major world players on the world stage. So I began to look elsewhere and say, what was he referring to? And it, what became clear, and I'll just say what became clear and then tell you why, is he was referring to the major elements of the end-time world that we knew about. For example, in the same week that Israel was reborn, so was the Council of Europe, the foundation of the revived Roman Empire, same week. The day after Israel was reborn, was the running of the program of the first mainframe computer. And as I go through the list of these things and what that mainframe computer does today, it they call it the cloud. I, I don't know, this fluffy cloud idea that it's just floating around up there. That's not what it is. It's massive data centers around the world tracking everything we do virtually already. So I think it's misdirection that it's just a cloud. I think it has the ability to control so many things about prophecy. You really can't have the mark of the beast without this cloud in place. You can't really have the image of the beast without the mainframe processing power that's taking place. I'm not saying it couldn't be done supernaturally in a different way. I'm just saying it's obviously that it exists, the technology exists right now to make it possible and it happened in 1948. I was just thinking, as you said that, this kind of merges all this mankind technology creating like a new Tower of Babel, like what the Bible talks about. But this is a new Tower of Babel, isn't it? It absolutely is, and I agree with you 100%. Um, 
as I go through this, the entire story, because people tend to mix up what prophecy is and think it's just about the final seven years, and they read about the tribulation period, and they read the book of Revelation. God said, I'll tell you the end from the beginning, and from ancient times, things that have not happened yet. And you're absolutely right, the Tower of Babel is at the heart of that. Um, We know that when Christ returns in the clouds with all of his saints, um, it says the kings of the earth line up with the beast to try to blow them out of the sky. There is a desire to build, by mankind, to build their own kingdom, to build their own world where they don't need Christ, and I think that's what we're all building toward, and I think that this whole idea of this rebuilt tower is it's not made out of slime like the previous tower was made. It's made out of digits and bytes and a interwoven web of digital power that is going to try to elevate mankind to the point of godhood, which is what's going on in so much of the research right now with transhumanism and so on. It's all pointing in one direction. Now, I've on when I've talked to other people on prophecy before, um, Peter, I've I've brought this subject up. I imagine you don't have never heard of this either. But we have a magazine, some magazines out that talk about radio, you know, what's going on in the world of technology and how it's going to affect, you know, what we do in radio. About a year and a half ago, in the starting of the year uh, 2022. They'd run an article in there, a couple of them, that really caught my interest. One in the front, one in the back. One was talking about changing what we do now in radio with our emergency alert system to the national authority system, uh, which was going to change here in the United States. That's what they were working to. But the second article really got my attention because it talked about a worldwide authority system that they were working on, which they're stated, and it told the companies, Microsoft, uh, Amazon, and uh, the players that were involved in this, how they were all putting up the money because they said there was like, oh, about 15 to 17 percent of the world that really didn't have a way to communicate with people on a regular basis digitally and anything like that. And it stated in there at the back of that, that within the next, like, I think three or four years, they were going to fix a system where every, now this is the words of it, every human being on the face of this planet would have a device with them where they could see by video or and audio in case, again, of a worldwide epidemic where they were referring to COVID, of course, and yep. where every person on the planet could immediately uh, be uh, brought into a place where it said a certain group of people and or a certain person could come and talk to them and tell them what was going on in the world. Now, that's pretty spooky. <laughs> well, there you go. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll just make mention when we're talking about that right now, the vaccine passport that's being talked about for the globe comes from the World Health Organization. I'll just mention founded April 7th, 1948. So we're talking about the pillars of the end-time world, um, certainly as they were foreseen, and they certainly make sense. If you, I mean, leave aside prophecy for a second and say, you believe that this is a significant piece of what's going on in the world, I think most people would agree. Yeah, I agree as well. Folks, stay with us. we got a lot to talk about right after this. 
This is Mark Taylor. If you miss a broadcast of Crosspoint, you can always go to our website at www.kneo.org and click on the programs page. There you can access the current Crosspoint program as well as the last four programs that have been aired. Never miss another Crosspoint program again. Go to www.kneo.org today. Welcome back to Crosspoint. I'm Mark Taylor. My guest today with me is Peter Lalonde. Peter is putting together a quite interesting uh, Bible prophecy on trial courtroom uh, online series here. And so now, um, you know, we know all about the Left Behind series and all that and the different movies you put out there. But so if somebody wants to find out, be a part of this, get on this, uh, how do they go about doing that? Well, unfortunately, it's, it's a lot of letters to type, <laughs> okay. but it's BibleProphecyOnTrial.com, and uh, that takes you right into the site and then into the trial if you wish to go. And uh, the good news is, one thing that we're putting up right now is a free sample hearing, so that anyone who's listening right now who wants to check out what we're doing and no obligation, no anything whatsoever— uh, can come on in. And the things we're talking about today, about the year 1948 and all of these major components of prophecy coming together at the same time, that's what the first hearing is all about. So it's pretty exciting. Bible prophecy on trial. Okay, now, and, and Bible prophecy, you know, there's different types of prophecy, uh, you know, so I imagine you're having to kind of pick and choose on what, how you cover what you cover, uh, maybe how it relates today and in, in more of what you're covering. Uh, how do you go about choosing what prophecy items you're going to talk about? Well, I think for me, what I'm trying to educate folks on is the big picture. Because I think we can get caught up, as I mentioned, just in the tribulation period, or some people are down a rabbit hole on the Antichrist, or whatever the components may be, all fascinating. Um, But we need to understand the big picture. What's God up to, and what's the devil up to? And if we understand their two game plans, which are laid out perfectly in the Bible— then we can look at the world as we see it and say, okay, that fits there, that fits there, that fits there. And so instead of it being sort of a scattershot of just different things, cohesive story that runs from the fall of Lucifer in the heaven to the second coming, and what a story it is. You know, and, and I'm kind of thinking of an area that you might want to talk about because it's a big discussion these days is, you know, pre-tribulation rapture. You know, what says that we're out of here and we go through it and some say we go through half of it and all that. I'm sure that's probably one of those areas you're going to be talking about in this trial. It is. The first thing that I point out on that subject whenever it does come up is if you're my brother or sister in the Lord, and you hold a different point of view than I do, that's just fine. It's a theological issue. If you don't believe in a pre-tribulation rapture and you're a born-again Christian, you're going anyway. Um, If you believe in a pre-trib rapture and it doesn't happen when you think it does, you'll still go when it happens. That's the first thing to divide, because there's a lot of animosity on this topic, and there shouldn't be. I will say that I believe strongly in a pre-tribulation rapture, I'm not an expert on the topic, I wouldn't say, but I would say that I do know, once again, in as you thought, the Son of Man cometh. Well, if you take a look at the mid-tribulation, the Antichrist is going into the temple, declaring himself 
to be God. There's plagues falling upon the earth, so I, I think you'd probably be expecting it then. And then at the height of the tribulation, the end of the tribulation, on the verge of Jesus returning, Israel is about to be destroyed. All the, you know, it says, if the days were not shortened, no flesh would be saved. So you got to figure that people would be looking then. But I would say they wouldn't be, because the darkness, the spiritual darkness, the, the passion to destroy all things related to God that will happen at that time will be quite overwhelming. And it says there's going to be a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. They will believe the lie. And I, I think, therefore, it's referring mostly to unbelievers, not that there won't be believers. But I, I do believe that uh, the Bible does teach, uh, you know, a catching away before the tribulation begins. Yeah. Now, speaking of what the Bible talks about, Daniel talks a lot about the book of Daniel, and I'm sure there's a lot of references made to that in this. But the book of Daniel, chapter 12, has that seal already been broken? It has. And um, I, I will just run through it very quickly right here, right now. This was another discovery that I made as I was going along, and it actually ties in to, uh, we're talking about the mainframe computers and the increase in knowledge in our world today. You know, I always used to think when we talked about the increase in knowledge, it was about, you know, we went from the Wright brothers to the space shuttle, look how smart we're getting. And I realized I'm not getting any smarter. I'm getting a bit older now. I might be losing a step or two and that it might not be us that's getting smarter. So when I re-looked at the passage in Daniel, knowledge shall be increased. If you go back to the Hebrew for the word knowledge, it's hadath, and I'm saying that terribly, I'm French, I'm sorry. Um, but you can look at it in your Strong's Concordance, and the word for knowledge is generally had, uh, yada, and it is not the word that Daniel uses, which seems strange, um, and he uses this word instead. So if you trace it back, its first use of this form of knowledge in the Hebrew is the tree of knowledge. So Daniel is told that this prophecy about this knowledge is sealed till the end of time. So it means it relates to the end of time. And what we're seeing now is, through this connection... I hope I'm saying this clearly enough. What we'll discover in the last days is a rebirth of the tree of knowledge. And I don't mean bark and leaves. What I mean is we're watching a worldwide web, and who had the nerve to call it that? I don't know. Um, and we're watching these mainframe computers. And also mentioned that in 1948, uh, in 1948, we talked about the mainframe computer and the revived Roman Empire. I'm sitting doing this interview with you right now on my smartphone. June 21st, 1948, the first personal digital computer was born. And I also am marveled at the date of that. Jesus said, behold the fig tree, you know that summer is nigh. It was formed, created, it ran its first program on June 21st, which is the Christmas Eve of summer. It's the exact day before summer. You don't get more nigh unto summer than that. So I put all of these things together, 
and the clues that come from within the book of Daniel about this tree of knowledge in the last days, and I don't see any coincidence whatsoever. I see that in 1948, I believe, and I can't prove this, that God and the devil put their first pieces on the chessboard, and the game's marching on, and I think we're getting close right now to a final skirmish, but a checkmate for God at the end. So, in other words, we, we've got is like a man-made tree of knowledge. Exactly that, right, and, and it, it's a tree of knowledge with the sole purpose of rebuilding the Tower of Babel. It's it's yeah. stunning to me. Yeah, and then what you're also talking about, this data in the cloud that we were just talking, that's kind of unlocking a lot of what Daniel, in the book of Daniel, predictions was as well. So we're seeing all of this, and it's really not surprising if you knew Bible prophecy. This is coming. I guess what we're seeing maybe, uh, Peter, is with Bible prophecy, what you've seen years ago and we're talking about, is suddenly becoming more clear. Uh, you know, the the hourglass is like sharpening, and God's up there cleaning that off a little bit more, saying, now can you see a little clearer what I'm doing? You know, Paul and I joke about when we were doing this week in Bible prophecy. We barely knew what we were talking about. Um, not, You know, we were looking at a glass, through a glass darkly, as the Apostle Paul said, we had an inkling of what was coming, but what we were talking about was the birth of the debit card and the smart card. I mean, it, we just weren't close to what was happening yet. But now, the prophecy of Daniel that was sealed, it's not being unsealed because of super faith of people or super understanding of students. It's the Word of God is being unsealed because we couldn't see these things before. Back in 1995, I had, didn't really know what the the mainframe computers were capable of. I didn't even have a, I had a flip phone at the time for crying out loud. Um, it's it's happening and it's being revealed to us not in terms of some supernatural revelation, just in terms of it's hiding in plain sight right in the Word of God. And that's what I love about the prophecy of the fig tree as well. We always thought it was just Israel, and we missed those final few words. Well, and back to the garden, a tree in the Garden of Eden, uh, you know, some pretty scary stuff's out there with this AI that's going on. And even artificial intelligence is linked to this, isn't it? It is. Incidentally, artificial intelligence, July of 1948, algorithms, I don't know the exact date, but also 1948, all the pieces of this puzzle came shooting forth at the exact same time that Israel was reborn. So, you know, when I look at the description of the revived Roman Empire, and I look at Europe today, and it talks about it being diverse from all the beasts and it having all this great iron teeth and so on, I, I look at Europe and I go, I don't know, these guys can't even pay their NATO bills. Um, how are they going to be this great empire this quickly if we stand at the time of that I think we do? No. But the mainframe, and anyone can Google this, the mainframe computer is known by another word, the big iron. And it goes on to say that it has teeth of brass. And if you go back to the original Hebrew for the brass, it's about 
brass. It's about deception, delusion, lies. But one key word, a snake in Strong's Concordance. So what's coming in all of these digital things is about an end-time spiritual, supernatural battle um, that we're right on the doorstep of, I really believe it. Okay, now, uh, again, if people, you know, they want to get involved in this and say, hey, I would like to link up with this and be a part of this jury and, and all that and get involved. So tell us, again, how people go about doing that, and can they find out even more in-depth information when they go into your uh, website or, or this courtroom, or, you know, do you have more resources for people to get their hands on? We definitely do, and one of the things that we're working towards doing right now is I present exhibits of all of these things, for example, about the big iron that I just mentioned, or the dates of the algorithm or so on. We then want to provide on the website those exact exhibits so that people can print them out. And when you're having a conversation with, you know, someone who's resistant to the gospel or someone who maybe is a bit uh, rebellious or just someone who doesn't know, you have it right in front that helps guide you through the story to tell. It's kind of like a little cheat sheet, because I just go exhibit to exhibit. I treat it as if I'm the prosecutor. And uh, it, 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 as I say, it's like a cheat sheet for people who go. So it's just... Really, if you come to BibleProphecyOnTrial.com, you'll be guided through the steps, and uh, we're getting the new hearing done that I just mentioned that has all of these things in it that we're talking about, and it's absolutely free. Um, So I just encourage people to come along, check it out, get ready with your finger or your mouse to cast your votes as you go along. And you may be surprised at the end how you vote one way or the other. You might say, no, you know, I don't think he's really proved his case. Or you might say, wow, I did not believe this. In fact, I'll just say, at the beginning of the trial, I challenged the jury to not say one word once through the whole trial. Wow. And I don't think they can do it. Now, if people would join late into this, you know, after you've got the trial going, can they actually go back and start and watch the front of it? I mean, are you going to be able to have it where they can do that, or will they just have to join where it's at? No, they can always begin. Everybody begins right at the start. Everybody begins with the free hearing to, you know, get a sense of what it is we're doing and how we're presenting the evidence, and uh, then they go right from there. Okay. Well, folks, stay with us. We're going to talk more about this in just a moment. Your future begins today. Your new second chance just arrived. Welcome to Fresh Grace. Welcome to New Hope. 91.7 The Word. Radio that impacts your future. Welcome back to Cross Point. I'm Mark Taylor, your host. My guest today is Peter Lalonde. Uh, Peter has put together a tremendously interesting uh, way to look at Bible prophecy and by doing this, he has put the kind of like uh, prophecy on trial. And uh, Peter, as we were talking about this, you know, the Bible does say that Jesus said it. In fact, no man knows the hour when the, you know, time is going to be when Jesus will return. Uh, but I'm sure that's going to be part of the discussion, is it not, in this trial? Well, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I will point something else out that I can't really prove in a court of law. It <laughs> doesn't stop me from speculating, though. Um, I believe in a pre-tribulational rapture, and I believe that there are no signs of the rapture. You just 
in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, you're caught up, you're caught away, you don't have anything that has to happen before the rapture. It's the imminency, it's, it's the great hope of the Church. But following the rapture of the Church is the beginning of the Great Tribulation period. And there are plenty of signs about what happens about the, at the beginning of the Tribulation period. Now, the prophet Daniel, in chapters 10, 11, and 12 of his book, is told in very specific detail about what that tribulation period is going to look like, the, the military moves of the Antichrist, the, everything that goes on. He gets this broad picture, which he does for all kingdoms throughout history, but certainly on this one. And then the angel tells Daniel, but hang on, Daniel, you can't understand any of this yet, because knowledge must be increased first. So go your way. Forget you ever heard what you just wrote down. Seal up the book. It'll be sealed again. But then the wise will understand. The unwise will do wickedly, and the wise will understand what's going on. Okay, that's all fine and well. We understand that. But we have an interview in our, I think it's in the second hearing of the trial, with a woman by the name of Shoshana Zuba, Harvard professor, author of Surveillance Capitalism. She was interviewed on the Netflix special called The Social Dilemma, which I recommend to everyone to watch. And she talks about the giant databases and the social media and all that that's going on in our world. And she says, I can tell you right now, it's at scale, which means it's not in the warm-up phase. It's not even in the early rollout phase. This thing is sitting there right now, ready to roll. And to me, when that dawned on me, I, I was walking up by my cottage and almost jumping up and down, realizing we do have a sign of how close we are. Because the very thing that had to come first before the tribulation is at scale right now and is ready to go. Once again, I can't prove this in a court of law, but I can tell you Daniel said there'd be this increase in knowledge. Uh, the angel told Daniel that this increase in knowledge would have to precede all of these events of the tribulation period, and this lady saying it's right here, right now. That's pretty compelling to me. Maybe we call it substantial evidence, but I certainly believe we are extremely close. Well, I know if I just go into your website area, looking at these different areas, you know, you've got things called locked and sealed for 2,500 years. The God Project spins a web of any size. There's a lot of little mini ex, you know, excerpts that a person can get from this, what I guess is a trial of the century. Yeah, I mean, we wanted to do that to give people a preview. And as I said, we've decided to add to that as opposed to giving, I think they're like three or four minutes long, those things that you just mentioned, to give people a sense of the full trial of how it works and let them actually participate in it. When you talk about spins a web any size, and I mentioned to you the nerve of calling it the World Wide Web, and everybody just taking that at face value and calling the mainframe computer big iron and pretending it's on a cloud. And there's an irony there, too. Jesus comes in the clouds. And now we've got the imposter who grows out of this beast coming in a cloud. It's all confusion and doublespeak and creating a imposter of God. I mentioned before the mainframe computers, the cloud, if I'll use that phrase, 
our phones that connect to that cloud, the algorithms that communicate between our phone and that cloud telling us what ads to put in front of us. You know, if you and I both do a Google search on the exact same phrase, we get completely different answers because we have a different algorithm pointing us in the direction it wants us to go. And now we're learning that this cloud is becoming self-aware and that AI may be having its own thoughts. And, well, we're certainly seeing that that is certainly the implication, although there's a great fight of whether it's happening. But what I will say is this. We have an artificial intelligence in the cloud. It's connected to us by our phones and by algorithms. I think we have an unholy trinity. I think we have a duplicate of the trinity of how God works and being set up to deceive the whole world in the last days. <laughs> yeah, I was, well, you was talking, I was thinking of the cloud, and I was thinking, yeah, and look who has access to that. It isn't just Christians. Yeah. The devil has a lot mm-hmm. of access to that, and he can take that and use it for a lot of his deceptive uh, thoughts and, and ways. Now, in all of this, I know, you know, you're having people sit on this jury, and it's not about what others on the jury have to say. It's what they believe. You're trying to get that out of them. What do you, though, I, they, they actually believe? So what do you hope that Christians will gain by being in this kind of a virtual you know, jury of Bible prophecy on trial? Well, I'm hoping to help rebirth the enthusiasm in the body of Christ that existed 25 years ago. I mean, in our Bible prophecy days and in our movies, it was insane. We could not keep up with all of the interest and people wanting this book or that tape. There was just no way to keep up with it all. It doesn't exist today. And I think, yes, it's a fulfillment of prophecy, but I believe that God is raising up thousands, if not tens or hundreds of thousands of people to start reminding people that the end is near. And it's time to get excited. How I always signed up off on this week in Bible prophecy was, when you see these things begin to come to pass, look up and lift up your head for your redemption draws nigh. We can't get terrorized by these things. We can't get flipped out by these things. We need to be getting excited because this was all prophesied. And if we know it was all prophesied, who could foretell all this? I couldn't foresee it 25 years ago, yet God nailed it perfectly back thousands of years ago. That gives us great encouragement, and that's what I hope to bring. Now, this idea of a trial kind of engages people, you know, to be involved. But also, are you trying to maybe get people to understand why they believe what they're believing, why they would answer the way they answer, uh, maybe getting them drive them towards the Scriptures themselves uh, to get them to learn the Word of God for themselves and not just what everybody tells them it says? I think it's absolutely critical. Uh, it's not just in prophecy, but in everything about the Word of God, that you know what you believe. Uh, There's a great scripture quote, I know in whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. If everybody could just come out knowing that, that would be success. Yeah. Now, also in this, (laughs) I, I don't know kind of the way to say it, but 
And, you know, you're a filmmaker, you've been involved in this for years, and you're telling a story by doing that. But sometimes you not only have to tell the story from God's side, but you have to tell it from the other side as well, which would be Satan, Lucifer's side. Uh, Is that kind of what you have to do in this situation? Yes, it's one of the early episodes. I actually talked to people about when I was at Fox Studios back in the 90s, And they were telling me about when the movie idea for the movie Independence Day was pitched to them. And the producers took everybody over to the window of the studio and said, look up and picture spaceships. And everybody's going, okay, we've seen this a hundred times before. And he said, but now picture that the one spaceship covers the entire area of Los Angeles. Well, that was something new that hadn't been done before. And... It got sold. The movie was sold that day to Fox. So I say that to say we have a story of look up at the sky and behold the Lord sitting on a white horse coming with ten thousands of his saints. And then what I do from there is I tell the story backwards of how that story plays out as a movie. And I I do try to tell it in a filmmaker style as if I was pitching a studio on this idea, which... I I tried to pitch this idea of the second coming. There's no bigger story uh, in my eyes other than the first coming. Um, Never worked. Never. None of the studios would do it. But the fact of the matter is I've wanted to make this movie for 25 years because it is a story beyond belief, as we're talking about today, about how the world transforms basically from the fall of Lucifer into the final war where if you take a look at who's a lot allied at the second coming of Christ, it's the beast against Christ, but mankind's on the beast side. That's an incredible story of how we got to there and uh, what the deception will be that's so strong that if it were possible, even the very elect would be deceived. It, it frustrates me beyond words that that movie has not been made. And, you know, of course, you're talking about people joining the wrong side there and being on the enemy side, the devil's side. Okay, that means that it has to be something to do with their mind, which you, in fact, you know, you talk about a lot, the increase in knowledge. We know that's part of prophecy. That comes first, I believe, is what you're trying to point out here, maybe. And then it's, you know, which it is. And so what you're trying to do is put people on the spot, maybe with the evidence you're going to put out there in front of them, you're going to present it through this area of knowledge and show that there is overwhelming evidence. And you're trying to get people to maybe reprogram their mind a little bit and start thinking differently than what they're being told. Well, they're being beaten over the head with false information is what's happening in our world today. The Internet is a just a cesspool of bad information out there. And if you take why it's going to happen as it does at that moment when they side with the wrong side, the Bible speaks of a strong delusion. And there's all kinds of theories about what that strong delusion is. Once again, go to the original Greek. It turns right back to Romans 125, who served and worshipped the creature more than the creator. And that's the exact phrase that ties the strong delusion. And it goes right back to the Garden of Eden. You don't, you, you don't, you won't surely die. You shall be as God. It's nothing has changed. And if I could stress one thing, I guess, in the whole summary of this trial, nothing has changed. 
We can hear 3,500 different theories of what's going to happen. They're not right. What's going to happen is the devil's going to tell you, you shall not surely die. You shall be as gods. Nothing's going to change from that. That's what we're looking for in terms of the deception of the last days. All right. Well, before we run out of time here, uh, Peter, again, tell us uh, how people can get involved in this trial, where to go, how to get the information, and become a part of what you're doing. Just visit uh, BibleProphecyOnTrial.com, and you'll be led through uh, a link there that will take you right to a free the first free hearing that really covers the whole area that we've talked about here today. You'll sit in the juror's box. Now, I record them a few days in advance so that you don't have to show up at a specific time Tuesday at 8 p.m. You watch it at your own time that's convenient for you. You can pause. You can hit rewind. You can do anything you like. You can send me nasty emails. You can do whatever you want. Um, It is meant to be interactive, and it's created for you, not for me, because it's not important what I believe. I think everybody knows what I believe. It's important what you believe. And that's what I encourage the jurors uh, to come out with at the end of the, each hearing and the trial. All right. Well, very interesting discussion today. I hope a lot of people participate in this jury with you there. And Peter Lalonde, thank you so much for being with us here on Crosspoint. My pleasure. Wow. Good interview today there with Peter Lalonde. Uh, folks, go to that website. Get on there. Get on that jury and uh, see how you respond to the questions and the evidence given for the end times. A great way for people to participate in something very unique. You know, everything will be centered around what I hold in my hand here, this holy word. That's what will be the main focus of what this word says in that trial. Why? Because this Bible is the accurate word of God. Its words are inspired by God. They're never outdated. And it actually does tell you about eternity, what it holds for you. The Bible contains the most important words you're ever going to read and certainly ever follow. Be sure and join us again next time as we again discuss issues that are affecting the church. Have a great week and allow God to use you for His purposes so that greater things can be done. Make your life count in God's plans for eternity. I'm Mark Taylor. Crosspoint is a program produced in Studio 101 at KNEO Radio. Not all of the views on Crosspoint reflect those of the management or staff of KNEO. You may contact the Crosspoint program at 10827 Highway 86 East, Neosho, Missouri, 64850, or by email crosspoint at kneo.org. You can hear Crosspoint four times a week, Saturday morning at 1, Saturday afternoon at 2, Saturday evening at 9, and Sunday evening at 7. You can also listen anytime on... Harper's Kennel of Stella, Missouri is proud to be sponsoring this portion of broadcasting on KNEO. Owned by Judy and Danny Harper, Harper's Kennel of Stella, Missouri specializes in French Bulldogs. For more information, the phone number is 417-628-3083.